Welcome back to the Naked Again podcast. I am your host, Toby. I am a writer, mental health therapist, and Christian by faith. If you are tuning in for the first time, I welcome you. So glad to have you join us in the garden. Take your shoes off. Chill a while. So glad to have you here. Last week on the Naked Again podcast, we explored the shame blame game in the garden and talked a little bit about how shame and blame make their way into our sexual and sensual development. If you have not listened, I encourage you to visit last week's episode or give it a replay if need be, um, you know, as many times as you want to. I I hope that it evokes and provokes um, deep reflection and gentle yet firm response on your end, on my end, as we continue our individual and communal journeys to being naked again. At the end of our time last week, I encouraged us to take ownership of our decisions pertaining to, to sexual matters both past and current sexual matters (laughs) or situationships we take ownership when we believe that taking action or inaction is not someone else's responsibility i believe that taking accountability and being accountable um of one's sexual self is is necessary for not only rediscovering the deepest and most authentic self within us, but also taking ownership of that self, right? And in this context, that is the self we are referring to as the sensual self. Assuming this position of ownership is what I believe initiates the movement um, and the progression toward forgiveness toward healing and and ultimately toward wholeness as I stated last week for some of us that are struggling to get out of the cycle of blaming and shaming ourselves or blaming others taking ownership is a different process altogether because before we can truly confront the reflections of guilt and shame in ourselves We first have to endure that discomfort of confronting those that perhaps have injured us both willingly and unknowingly, sexually that is, um, or more. For some of us, we are stuck in this space of blaming that person or people that took advantage of our innocence or trust and may have forcefully thrust us into that you know discovery about sex that we were not ready for physically psychologically or spiritually because of how delicate this process of of forgiveness is it is important to explicitly name the types of injuries that can keep us stuck and unable to take ownership of our sensual and sexual self on this journey to being naked again. 
for some of us, the shame and blame we feel in regards to our sexual self stems from the rape, the molest, the blackmail, or, or the rejection we may have encountered at some point during this journey. And, and it is unfortunate, um, it is painful, and I delicately, um, with caution, um, talk about it as, as a mental health therapist, as one who facilitates that healing process for others. I am, I am honored to be able to walk alongside others as they come to this place, this knowing that what happened does not have to determine what may happen or what can happen and it it is a process depending on who you are for some it's quicker and for some it's slower and i encourage you to take take the time that you need um to know what you need and not to rush it because your healing is just that important the the narrative may sound like this for for some of us who are unable to take ownership the narrative may sound like if it wasn't for what he or she did if it wasn't for what they did if it wasn't for what happened i would not be stuck in this pattern or cycle of shame or blame unfortunately the past cannot undo itself and we can certainly not undo the past. We can only change how we respond now. For this reason, taking ownership looks different for everyone. For some of us, taking ownership now looks like admitting that you were violated sexually. For some, taking ownership now looks like finding a therapist to healthily support your process of of acknowledging and processing the sexual trauma you may have experienced. For others, taking ownership now looks like telling a trusted friend or parent or guardian or a spiritual leader that will provide the safety and comfort needed to, to express that grief of the past out loud to another without feeling judged or overly pitied. For some others, taking ownership now looks like admitting that the sexual situationship, situationships no longer satisfy or fulfill the, the void that we have tried to fill for so long. And for some others, taking ownership now looks like going to a physician to make sure we are okay physically. I do want to insert here that if you or anyone you know have been or are being sexually abused in any way, please call the National Sexual Abuse Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. I encourage you in this moment, reminding you that you are brave enough to ask for help. You are not alone. There is a community waiting to rally around you to get the, you the support that you need toward healing. I believe that, that the very act of pursuing your healing 
by initiating any of the actions I listed above breaks through the wall of stuckness that that you, me, um, we may have been feeling for a long time. If we dare to pursue healing, we can certainly be encouraged to then seek forgiveness of ourselves from ourselves as well as forgiving others. I do want to clarify that forgiveness is not reconciliation with the person or people that violated you in the past or present. Forgiveness is the process of releasing the offense that created the burden of carrying around what someone else did against you. Psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. So for some of us that sorry, I feel bad for what I did may never ever come. And in this context of becoming naked again, forgiveness helps us to lose the weights, the heavy weights of woulda, coulda, and shoulda. Forgiveness will be that bridge that invites the coming together and the joining of the sexual self and the sensual self to become whole again as God created you, God created me to be. And what do I mean by that joining? That is to say that forgiveness of ourselves, forgiveness of others, creates the, the psychological and spiritual room and really integration needed to discover or rediscover true intimacy with ourselves and with others. And that is what we are exploring today. We are exploring intimacy. As I mentioned in earlier episodes, sensuality is the condition of being pleasing or fulfilling to all of our senses. Our ability to touch, to see, to feel, to hear, taste, and smell. These are all natural conditions, right, that we possess as human beings. In our most natural form, we are sensual beings created to experience the world and others through all of our senses. And this is what I refer to as our sensual self, our original and most authentic self, our most intimate self, as created by an intimate God who breathed himself into dust to make us come to life. Intimacy and sex are often and more commonly used interchangeably, but they do not mean the same thing. Though they can be integrated as one when it is fitting, I know that it took a precious while for me to dissociate those two words healthily. Though sex can be experienced intimately, sex is not intimacy, y'all. Say it with me. Sex is not intimacy. <laughs> when I refer to sex on the Naked Again podcast, I do want to be clear that I am speaking of the physical activity 
of reproductive organs coming together as one through penetration. I am referring to sexual intercourse, that which naturally creates life and reproduction. And as a young woman, I used to be amazed by how many of my peers talked about sex and not feeling anything remotely romantic or intimate towards their sexual partners. And I do want to plug in here, um, though it is more commonly um, depicted, at least in my experience, that, oh, men do this more than women. I, I disagree. I disagree. I think all people, men and women, um, get familiar, become familiar with the act of um, just having sex and not feeling anything at all. I used to think it's strange and almost impossible that, that one person could get that close to another person, become one with them physically and feel no sort of intimate connection. And of course, that had a lot to do with my own religious, confined, regulation-filled um, upbringing. I didn't yet understand that intimacy during a sexual experience was not a given. That is, the sexual experience, though pleasurable to both partners, does not automatically mean that they are intimately connected to one another on a deeper level past the physical. I think if we are honest about many or most of our heartbreaks on the matter, we would confess that knowing we were not intimately connected with those we share our bodies with was a sort of disappointment especially when we wanted it to be. For me, I know that while I presented a good front about not being affected by a lack of intimacy in sexual acts or encounters, a void always grew bigger in me. It didn't feel right to engage sexually with the person and feel no intimate connection to them. It may have felt good, but it didn't feel right for me. It was like something did not fit somewhere within me. Something something was off and misaligned within me. There was still this emptiness that was often actually highlighted after the sexual encounter was over. I know now that as an adult, that intimacy was what was lacking. And of course, we are sharing this because we are being... Um, naked again, we are trusting the safety and the invitation to the garden to to uncover and and be bare naked about what it is we have developed along the way as it pertains to how we think about sex, how we experience sex and and the role that intimacy or the lack of plays in it so what is this intimacy that we are talking about? Before repeating um, what the most common or accepted definition may be, I want us to remember that we are present in the garden to explore from that perspective what intimacy means or implies. You know, here, here in the garden, that's where we are. 
um, in the book of Genesis, we, we read about how God initiated intimacy when God breathed himself inside humanity to bring our bodies to life. Like, it's so remarkable to me when I think about it that this, this was how close God got to us. It was an intimate decision, an intentional decision. Intimacy is one of those human experiences, I think, that can't be objectively defined because it is experienced differently for each person. What is experienced as intimacy for one person in one season of their lives can be experienced as intrusive for another person that is another season of their life. So I want to explore perhaps the common implications of intimacy, the more the widely accepted implications of intimacy that I believe most can agree on. Right? So intimacy usually reflects uh, a mutual vulnerability, um, a mutual openness, a mutual sharing with another or with others. Um, it is often present in close and loving relationships, you know, such as marriages and friendships, um, communities. The term intimacy is also sometimes used to refer to sexual interactions. Like I stated um, a few moments ago that sex is not intimacy, but sex can be experienced intimately. I believe ultimately that when God created sex, God had in mind that intimacy would be involved in the knowing of the other person. Um, and we'll get a little more into that, of course, in future episodes as we explore the power of intimacy in relationships with or without sex. Um, so we are agreeing. I am exploring um, that Intimacy does not have to be sexual. Intimacy implies this deeply knowing of someone, this, this um, process of feeling deeply known ourselves. It is, it is something we crave. I, I strongly believe that. I believe that this craving to know others and be known is God's breath working down deep within us. I believe that to be intimate is to be godly. I believe that the longing for this connectedness with others is what is polluted and pressured and repressed along the way when sensuality is misplaced as this need or urgency to be sexually active or available to others. And I hope to unpack more of that in future episodes because I think it is essential to know what drives us when we make the decision to share ourselves with others sexually. So if if we seek, <laughs> I am I am convinced that research will likely show that there are 50 forms or more of intimacy in human relationships because we are ever evolving, right? But for the purpose of this platform, I want us to 
explore four other types of intimacy outside of sexual intimacy that I believe work together collaboratively to foster connectedness in relationships. Emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy, experiential intimacy, and spiritual intimacy. Emotional intimacy can involve or actually not can emotional intimacy involves candid authentic sharing of thoughts and feelings with other people we know that we we thrive on emotions being able to share our feelings and connect with other people we thrive off of that no matter how i think no matter how much um people try not to be quote unquote sensitive and share themselves with other people i i believe that when it's done in safe context it is it is almost magical i believe it's godly the ability to be ourselves freely and safely to allow for the connectedness of our emotions you know with other people that is emotional intimacy and for for you for me it may sound like Something like this, like I can share anything with this person or people and still feel safe with them because of our connection. I share emotional intimacy with them. Intellectual intimacy involves, you know, this shared connection about just knowledge of things or or subject matters. And it could range from the knowledge of species and animals to the knowledge of how the brain works or the knowledge of what kind of makeup (laughs) is best for your skin, you would be surprised as to how people feel connected to another person just because their um, intellect is, is being stimulated in conversations with this person. And and though intellectual intimacy does not often or generally imply an agreement of that shared knowledge, it implies this stimulation, right? It, It stimulates the closeness that two people feel as they engage in a world of ideas. It may look, it may look like the work wife, work husband scenario where exchanging ideas with a particular person or a particular group of people can stimulate us in such a way that we connect so deeply. It's like this light bulb goes off when we're around this person and we just flow. This process of thinking and sharing, that's intellectual intimacy. And I believe that can be godly as well because it draws us closer to others experiential intimacy involves a shared experience though not at the same time two people can connect and relate deeply on an experience that they shared both good and bad like think of the mommy's club or the first time mom's club or um, veterans coming back from war maybe different wars or, or firemen or People who have the same jobs sharing the experience of the hardships of that job. The connectedness in this type of intimacy can be really deep, really fast. 
because nothing beats experiencing something that impacts your life or impacts you that another person can then put words to. This can look like fellowship and the worship experience in a church setting. It can look like a wilderness adventure, facing obstacles together. And in some unfortunate circumstances, this, this can look like natural disasters or surviving community violence or surviving rape or surviving the death of a, uh, of a loved one um, while, you know, being in, in the same accident that took their lives. Experiential intimacy is very real and it can be triggers for some people while it can draw other people so close. It's, it's ridiculous. But I believe that's godly because it's an open invitation to join ourselves with others, to be intimate with them, to connect with them in such a way that nothing else can, can um, compare to. And this can happen without sex, right? And then last but not least, spiritual intimacy. Spiritual intimacy involves the shared connection or connectedness or relatedness in beliefs and life practices that sometimes go beyond the natural realm. Shared religion or Conversion experiences can be like core parts of spiritual intimacy for people, just as much as sensing the presence of God together with another person or, or simply having a shared core value that you live your life by. These can be spiritual um, facets that join people together, all without touching each other physically. I challenge us this week to gently and slowly explore how we have or have not experienced any of these types of intimacy in the context of sexual intimacy. When we join ourselves with another person, has it been merely pleasurable contact? What parts of us are stimulated when we become one physically with others? What kind of intimacy have you become so familiar with that it has become your norm and limit for connectedness with, with another? As always, I invite you to bring your questions and your process before God in the garden and seek for yourself. I look forward to meeting with you again next time on the Naked Again podcast.